Hi, I'm Kelsey from Brandenburg, Kentucky, a student pharmacist from the University of Kentucky College of Pharmacy in Lexington. Hi, I'm John David from Chapin, South Carolina, a student pharmacist from the Presbyterian College School of Pharmacy. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Brandon Shank, clinical pharmacy specialist at the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, about board certification, credentialing, and privileging. Hello, and welcome to the Pharmacy Forward podcast. My name is Joshua Fleming with the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Megan Brown. Hello and welcome. This is our third podcast in a series about credentialing and privileging. Our previous episodes focused on the nuts and bolts of what credentialing and privileging are and what that looks like from a pharmacy administration point of view. This episode will focus on what credentialing and privileging is like from the frontline pharmacist point of view. I'm thrilled to be joined today by our guest, Dr. Brandon Shank, a clinical specialist at MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. Brandon and I have been friends for quite some time and served on several committees together over the course of the last several years, and I'm very excited to hear about his viewpoints on credentialing and privileging and what's been going on in his world. Hi, everybody. I'm thrilled to be here to discuss credentialing and privileging at the level of my hospital and how it impacts my practice. So, let's jump right into it. Credentialing and privileging has been a discussion point for many institutions at the national level for a few years now. It's a pretty standard process for the majority of our physician and nurse practitioner colleagues. Many institutions have implemented very robust processes for credentialing and privileging for pharmacists, while others are still trying to figure out how to implement the process. So tell us, what does credentialing and privileging mean at MD Anderson? At MD Anderson, our practice model is quite advanced, which is one of the reasons why I joined the institution. With our credentialing and privileging process, we have drug therapy management where we are able to write orders under protocols under the physicians. And with that, we go through a series of different credentialing processes upon arrival and training to help us attain the status and the privileges to provide medication therapy management services to our patients. That sounds great. Drug therapy management, I think, is something that a lot of pharmacists are interested in doing, and doing that under protocol offers an opportunity for you to develop a relationship as well with the providers that you work with in your institution. So I know you said that there are a series of steps that one must take upon, I guess, onboarding into the hospital. So tell me, what steps did you have to take coming into MD Anderson to become credentialed and privileged? So there's an extensive process to become credentialed and privileged at the hospital. Um, It involves meeting both the state requirements and the institutional requirements. There's an extensive training process before we were able to write orders. So we were trained up to three to six months for that. We also have to be a licensed pharmacist in Texas, um, and we have to complete the requirements on the Texas laws. For example, um, having enough CEs every year, Um, having specific documents signed every year for all of our physicians that we work underneath. And then after that process goes through committee review, um, we obtain approval under specific physicians on our service to be able to write orders. 
That's very interesting. So when you say the documents that had to be have to be signed, are you referring to the actual protocols? Correct. Yes, we have specific protocols that include classes of medications and types of of medications that we were able to order. And specifically, the the physician may have to specify if we're allowed to prescribe controls. Uh, Certain services will have hormonal therapies um, that may be able to be written. Um, So there's different specifications depending on the services and classes of medications that can be signed off on. So the, the specific documents will outline that protocol for which we are allowed to work underneath. And Brandon, for that committee that you have to submit that to, is that a committee of pharmacists? Is it a committee of physicians or a, a committee of mixed different types of practitioners? Yeah, the committee that oversees this is the medical staff and credentialing services. And there's dual responsibilities both on the pharmacy end as well as on the medical side. Um, so there's different tasks that, spe- that are specified for each one, but ultimately the medical staff and credentialing services administrative area is responsible for providing the final approval for pharmacists. And is there a certain number of CEs or extra things that you have to do every year to maintain that credential and privilege? Yes, there are several. Pharmacists that do engage in drug therapy management must annually complete six hours of continuing education that is drug-related and has to be ACP-accredited, as well as every year our documents need to be re-signed and we do need to meet all the state requirements, CE requirements, in addition to those. I think our process, compared to other areas and other states, our process is at an individual institutional level for writing the orders. There is a, a drug therapy management protocol that each institution has with specific providers. We are able to write for controlled substances, schedule three through five, um, with our protocol. Um, we are mostly focused on the inpatient since. Um, Some states have recognized pharmacists as practitioners at a state level. We're recognized at an institutional level to be a practitioner. So as far as that differentiation, when it comes to billing insurance companies, we have all of our orders are signed at an institutional level by the pharmacist, and then they have to be co-signed by the attending for payment purposes. So, Brandon, kind of seeing how this is evolving nationally, uh, both at the state level and institution-specific levels, Um, and seeing how that it's widely different from one state to the next state. In Mississippi, we really don't have that many requirements to enter in a collaborative practice agreement, whereas in other states like your own and North Carolina and other areas, there's there's a laundry list of requirements that you have to obtain to be able to enter into collaborative practice. How do you see this impacting our profession, and how do you see this impacting us as we move more towards more states having this credentialing and privileging process? Yeah, I think each state will handle it differently and due to political factors or kind of operationalizing the plans. Things that I see changing um, or hopefully expanding as is being recognized by CMS as providers, and that will help with the billing component of pharmacist written orders. I think it laws and regulations to help decrease the, the amount and burden of all of the, the protocols and updating those annually um, can be quite cumbersome and takes a lot of time, both on the pharmacist and physician side. But I think within the protocols, ours, I feel like I have the flexibility to practice at the highest end of my license and, and I'm able to write many of the orders that I need on a daily basis, not requiring the physician to write very many orders. And I think that helps us with our efficiency 
So when healthcare is looking at cost factors, I think pharmacists are in a unique position with the training and skill sets to help physicians see more patients in collaboration with our nurse practitioners who are doing the physical exams. So I think that combination uh, may help increase efficiency of the whole healthcare system. And I think it's using the skill sets of the pharmacists to be able to write the orders more accurately, dose correctly initially. Um, so there's fewer um, communications needed on the verification side and clarifications. That's a great point about efficiency and making sure that the orders are being written, you know, initially correctly and just making sure that the process is very smooth, which ultimately will help the patient get out of the hospital quicker. So I think that this also is a great opportunity for our students and residents, and um, both Josh and I are very involved with students and residents. What advice would you have for a student or resident who's about to enter the workforce as they consider maybe going through this process with an institution? So some of my advice would be to start out cautious up front with talking to the physician about specific details, kind of gaining their feedback. Um, and their comfort level with you. And then over time, you develop a really good working rapport and trust. I would say being careful up front and learning how to accurately write orders correctly, because if you're becoming a new relationship and you would make a mistake, the physician may not trust you um, later on. So I think being very careful, being trained extensively up front is a very good idea. And then the physicians always recognize that you know the products better also the cost. So I think those are factors that you can use to help leverage yourself, develop these agreements to um, kind of use it in a teamwork fashion instead of wanting to write orders. I think um, having the ability to know the products or dosage forms um, allows us to help the physician. So I think I wouldn't be afraid to communicate that to your team as you're building rapport. Absolutely. Trying to develop that relationship initially and recognizing that we're all human, definitely putting forth the effort to participate on the team, I think, is really important. So that's great advice. Thank you, Brandon. So, Brandon, you talk about a lot of the advice that you give for residents and students, but is there any specific training that they need to be looking at? Do they really need to be seeking out residency training? Do you think the board certification process is a big part of credentialing and privileging in most states? Great question, Josh. I think that the idea of residency training and board certification is very important because it helps students become practitioners with that hands-on experience. I feel it's necessary in specific populations where the care is very complex. Specifically in my area of oncology, there's a lot of areas that we need to learn and get better at. And if you're going to be writing those orders, I think that extra experience helps um, provide that uh, the knowledge base to build a foundation upon being able to prescribe. I think in ambulatory settings as well, those patient interactions, um, the kind of the tricks of the trade or the efficiencies with that, um, I've learned through my residency training. Moving to board certification, I feel, helps you stay up to date with the literature and the common treatments. Um, things can change, and I think board certification shows a baseline level of knowledge it will be interesting to see how states take these requirements and actually apply them whenever they roll out programs in their specific states to see if they will include it. Currently, the Texas State Board doesn't have specific requirements, but I think it's important for students to think about residency training and board certification. So, Brandon, for those of our listeners who are interested in adopting a credentialing and privileging process who may be 
working in um, an institution similar to MD Anderson. Help us understand why why maybe MD Anderson decided to adopt this process for pharmacists. I think the incentive for MD Anderson was our team-based model with pharmacists and mid-levels with only a few services having interns. You know, with the workload and having pharmacists skilled at writing the specific orders, the complexity of oncology pharmacotherapy aided us in justifying the need for credentialing and privileging pharmacists to practice on the services and provide drug therapy management for patients, both inpatient and outpatient. That sounds great. And I, I definitely think making the point that it would apply to, like you said, the outpatient and inpatient side, having the process in place so that it can be implemented in any setting, I think is really um, important. And I think nationally too, like we kind of mentioned, you know, obviously every state is going to have a little bit of a different tweak on what the process might look like. And of course, there are laws and things in place that may have to be changed in each state. But I think overall, having good examples like your institution and showing that pharmacists are doing great work under these type of models is really uh, key to moving us forward as a profession. Well, Brandon, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today about credentialing and privileging. We've definitely learned a lot from your experiences and If you want to learn more about credentialing and privileging, check out the show notes with the link to online resources posted in the Pharmacy Forward website. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Forward. A podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app. And tell all of your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a story you'd like to share about someone who's transforming knowledge into action, send us an email. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about our professional development programs, visit pharmacycpd.org. That's pharmacycpd.org. This episode was conceived and developed by Chase Board, Lily Van Chang, Ha Fan, Alex Mills, Megan Brown, Lori Fleming, Josh Fleming, and Stuart Haynes.